0: Well last week I titled my sermon after a a movie in the theaters. Uh, This week I stole the name of a room in our building and uh, a ministry of our church and so we can only live in hope that one of these days I'll come up with something original. Anyway, last week uh, we were in John chapter 3 and uh, we eavesdropped uh, in and out of conversation between Jesus and a man by the name of Nicodemus in which Jesus famously gives us the words of John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible. Uh, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Today we move into chapter 4, and we find ourselves in the middle of another conversation with a very different person uh, who is, uh, frankly, at the opposite end of the spectrum in almost every way. Uh, Last week's conversation uh, took place at night. This one happens in the middle of the day. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a man. In chapter 4, he's talking to a woman. Uh, The man in John chapter 3 is uh, very religious, uh, very prominent and respected uh, throughout the land and uh, he initiates this conversation with Jesus. Uh, The woman in John chapter 4 is unknown and unnamed, except that she is a Samaritan, uh, which is to say that she is religiously and socially inferior, uh, not to mention morally inferior, which also comes out in the uh, conversation and in this case Jesus is the one who initiates the conversation with her. And all of this uh, takes place in uh, a very different location and a very different context uh, which was uh, the city of uh, Sychar which is located uh, in the territory known as Samaria which uh, sat between Judea in the south and Galilee uh, in the north and uh, was a a place where there were a lot of interesting things going on and uh, where there is now the uh, West Bank Palestinian city of Nablus, uh, which has a population of about 150,000 people. And so if you see uh, the city of Nablus uh, on the news, which unfortunately we have uh, in recent times, that is ancient Sikar. Uh, which back then uh, was a no-go area for uh, the children of Israel because of the animosity that existed between Jews and uh, Samaritans, in part because uh, Samaritans uh, had been Jewish, but they intermingled and intermarried, and also because uh, the religion was kind of mixed up and it included some parts of Judaism, but not uh, other parts of Judaism. And so, at the time of Jesus, pious Jews, Uh, who were traveling from Judea uh, to Galilee or from Galilee to uh, Judea uh, would often take the long way around and they would literally cross the Jordan River and go up or down the east side of the river just so they wouldn't have to set foot on Samaritan soil. That's how bad the animosity uh, was. And yet there was and there is uh, a place in Sychar that uh, is known as Jacob's well because Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, acquired uh, this land and uh, there was a well. There still is a well that still produces water uh, so that by the time Jesus has this conversation with the woman at the well, it is already a holy uh, site and today uh, Jacob's well can be found in a crypt. Uh, over which is built a Greek Orthodox church and uh, monastery, which now is tucked uh, way deep inside the busy streets of uh, Nablus, uh in the east side of uh, the city. And yet, in spite of what I just said uh, to you, uh, as chapter 4 opens, we find that uh, Jesus and his disciples are traveling from Judea toward Galilee, having had that conversation with Nicodemus, In uh, John chapter 3, they're now about 40 miles north of uh, Jerusalem, almost halfway home, uh, give or take, uh, when they decide to stop at Jacob's well in Sychar because as John tells us, uh, Jesus is uh, getting tired from his journey and they go to the well uh, to get some R&R where this uh, woman uh, shows up alone. Uh, to draw water in the middle of the day, and Jesus begins uh, by launching this conversation with her by asking her to give him a drink. Now fortunately for you, I am not going to talk through all 29 verses of this passage uh, today. Uh, However, I do want to point out some things uh, that I think will help all of us to understand uh, who Jesus is and how he operates, and hopefully will also help us to understand Uh, who we are called to be as followers of Jesus today. And the first thing I want to point out is uh, the thing that I've already sort of mentioned, and that is the fact that uh, contrary to custom and practice, Jesus does not take the long way home. He does not go around Samaria. He goes through Samaria. In fact, in the verse right before today's uh, passage, Uh, we find John saying that Jesus, quote, had to go through Samaria. Uh, Not because somebody was making him do it it, or because, you know, the roads were closed on the east side of the river, uh, but because it was part of his mission. It, It was his sense of purpose. It's like, you know, when you feel so strongly about something, you say, you know, I've just got to do this. And then comes this woman to the well alone in the middle of the day and that is a clue. It is a sign that she is a loner. Uh, She is likely an outcast even among her own Samaritan people who would traditionally go to the well either in the morning or in the late afternoon or early evening because that is the time when you actually need the water the most and you could avoid the desert sun beating down on you and besides that, these were the times when people of the community would congregate at the well and they would socialize with each other as they drew the water. But this woman comes alone when she knows that very few people, if anyone, would be at the well. And then we find out that uh, she meets Jesus there, and uh, Jesus speaks to her, Uh, which may not seem strange to you, but it certainly would have seemed strange to her because this was a man speaking to a woman, and this was a Jew speaking to uh, a Samaritan. And what's even more unusual than that is that Jesus asks this woman to give him a drink from uh, the well. And uh, that also is uh, very stunning and very unusual uh, because uh, it's not what you think. You know, Jesus is not just, you know, treating her as some sort of a a subservient person uh, serving this, you know, big time famous rabbi. Because both the Jews and the Samaritans uh, knew very well that a self-respecting Jew would never drink from the cup or water jar of a Samaritan or from the bucket of a Samaritan or from the ladle or other utensils of a Samaritan because the Samaritans were considered to be unclean, impure, defiled. And so if you did that, then you got like, you know, some kind of like religious cooties or something. Like, like, you know, you were unclean, you were defiled, you were impure. And so when Jesus meets this woman, and out of the chute, he asks her to give him a drink. It's a sign, it's a clue that what he's really doing is crossing a boundary. Going out of his religious uh, way, he's sending her a message, you know, I don't really care about that. You know, I'm here to make a connection with you. And it it obviously catches her off guard because she even says to him, how is this that you, a Jew, are asking for a drink of water from me, a woman of Samaria? Well, that is the opening that Jesus is looking for. And so he responds and he says to her, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water that's where the conversation begins to uh, roll forward as Jesus talks uh, to this woman about this living water that springs up into eternal life. And one of the words that we use for living, moving, life-giving water is the word wellspring. So there. Also, there's a play on words in this passage that uh, gets lost in our English Bibles, Uh, but in the Greek New Testament it turns out that when John talks about the woman being at the well, he uses a word that means, you know, cistern or or cylinder from which water is drawn. When he talks about Jesus being at the well, he uses the word for spring, which is another clue. It's another sign to the reader, that Jesus is talking about something more than what comes out of Jacob's well. He's talking about uh, the water of forgiveness that watches sins away. He's talking about the water that replenishes, that refreshes, uh, that gives life to the world. And little by little this woman is uh, kind of catching on to where Jesus is going with all of this so that she does in fact ask him for a drink. Of this living water. Uh, But as you know the conversation doesn't stop there, it goes on and you know frankly you know it's got some awkward moments to it. Like the moment when Jesus says to her go get your husband and she says well I don't have a husband and he says oh yeah that's right you've had five husbands. And the guy you're with is not number six. And I always love her response, oh, I see you're a prophet. (laughs) You know, the other part I really love is when the disciples get back from town and John says that, uh, you know, they didn't want to ask him, You know why in the world are you talking to this woman? I guess they were chicken. But you know they're thinking it because John puts it in the passage. And so we don't know, you know, what all the circumstances were in the life of this unnamed woman, you know, what got her to where she was. All we know is that it had to include a lot of pain, and it had to include a lot of shame, so much so that she doesn't even want to go to the well when other people are around. The other awkward moment comes at her initiation when uh, she says to Jesus, as you heard in the lesson, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. And the mountain she's referring to is Mount Gerizim, uh, which is in the vicinity of Sychar or present-day Nablus. Uh, But she says, and you say that we must worship in Jerusalem, which was a reference to uh, the temple. And this is a touchy subject for her. And the reason it is is that the Samaritans built a uh, temple on the top of Mount Gerizim, and the Jews came in and destroyed the temple because of the impurity of their religion, Uh, because their Bible only included the first five books of Moses, and that was it, just the Pentateuch, no psalms, no prophets. Which is also the context for Jesus' statement that you worship what you do not know. In other words, you don't have the whole story. But there's going to be a day when you will worship in spirit and in truth wherever you are. And so through all of this, this woman finally gets what Jesus is saying to her in their talk at Jacob's well until finally he reveals to her exactly who she's talking to, and when she realizes this, she goes running back to town. She finds the people she knows and she says, you got to come and see uh, this man who told me everything that I have ever done. So that this nameless woman, this isolated loner, this outcast, this person who could have opened a restaurant and called it Five Guys. That was the low point in the sermon right there. (laughs) She ends up becoming Sychar's number one witness so that the people do go see him thanks to the fact that he has come there. He has entered her world. He has met her in her isolation. He has crossed the boundaries of gender and race and religion in order to make good on John 3.16 and the reality that God loves the whole world so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So that a religious guy in John chapter 3 and a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 would both hear in different ways about the image of water and its power to bring new life and through it the voice of Jesus saying, I have got you covered, I've got your sin covered, I've got your shame covered, I've got your past, I've got your pride, I've got it covered by the power of my grace. Uh, As to the outcome of this uh, conversation in John uh, chapter 4, if you read on past uh, the passage we heard today, you will find the words, many Samaritans believed. And they did go to Jesus. And in fact, they asked him to stay with him in Samaria, which he does for two more days before he finally gets on the road and heads for home. After which, John goes on to say, many more, many more came to believe in Jesus. Thanks to a woman who, against all the odds, became a proclaimer, an ambassador, a witness, and minister for Jesus Christ. And the reality of John 3.16, in the one who knows everything I ever did, He knows everything you ever did. And he shows us and brings us face to face with our sins and with our past, not to condemn you, but so there would be no ambiguity or doubt about the enormity of his forgiveness of your life. And his truth that he has you covered wherever you go so that you can live and thrive on the living water of his grace and cross the boundaries in order to meet people who are thirsting for God. Now we don't uh, ever really learn uh, the name of this uh, unknown uh, outcast, this isolated person, this Samaritan uh, woman. However, uh, the Greek Orthodox Church uh, that is built uh, over Jacob's Well in the city of Nablus is named after her. Uh, The English translation of the technical name of the church is the Orthodox Church of the Enlightened One. And in its tradition, that is what becomes her name. And in the tradition of the church, in its words, she went on to become a witness, a preacher, an Apostle of Jesus Christ. And so with that we come to the end of uh, really two uh, conversations now, where we learn in John chapter 3 that nobody is so good that they don't need Jesus, and in John chapter 4 that nobody is so bad that they cannot have him. And so with all of this in mind I think of uh, something that I used to say. Uh, to our children when they were little and they would occasionally come to me and say, I'm thirsty. And I would say to them, hello thirsty. (laughs) But I knew what they wanted, many of you have done it too. And so I gave them something to drink so that they would be satisfied. I pray that you would have the grace to hear God and His voice saying that to you, and that your spiritual thirst would always be satisfied in the one who comes to us where we live, in our world, in our isolation, and He makes good on John 3.16. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Invite